Good morning, Central Christian Church. My name is Tiffany Perkins, and I am so honored to share with you today. Thank you to Tim, the elders, and our staff for this opportunity. It's an honor to be with you. It is Super Bowl Sunday! Now, I know some of you could care less about it, but our team is in the championship again, and the Perkins Pack are here for it. So in honor of being Super Bowl, I'd like to hear from you. What has been, wait for it, one of your favorite Super Bowl halftime performers? You know, according to the Wall Street Journal, the overall cost involved have been known to exceed $10 million. This includes the elaborate stage, the crew, the fireworks, and their show lasts anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes. Crazy, right? And they're not even paid for it. Now, how about those commercials? Comment in the chats if you have a favorite, maybe a favorite munchie or snack that you enjoy seeing every Super Bowl. This year, the price of the 30-second ad hasn't gone up like in past years. The most expensive ad sold for $5.5 million. Unbelievable. Now this year, a few major endorsements have pulled their ads and have donated what they would have spent for the commercial to support the COVID vaccinations and relief efforts. Now, whether you like football or not, there is nothing like the energy around a game a group of people with common ground cheering their team on. Sports spectators embrace the emotions like they're playing the game too. And today, as we unpack the word of God, I'm reminded that as a Christian community, we should be cheering each other on. We should be rallying for each other, sacrificially supporting and loving one another, cheering each other on to stand firm in the faith, to walk with courage in this crazy season, to be resilient, to stay faithful. And, I, and as I stand before you today, that's my heart for the Central Church family. Tim and I are cheering for you on your journey with Jesus. You know, I've titled my message today, Live Love. So let's go ahead and set the stage. You know, Tim, he told us last week and reminded us of the author of our text, James the Just the brother of Jesus. He was considered by many to be a pillar of the early church. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, it says, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Jesus revealed himself to James after his resurrection. I think further highlighting the importance of his revelation to James, his brother, and a former skeptic, probably Jesus's biggest skeptic. Then in Galatians 2, 1 through 10, Paul describes James as a pillar of the church, a man of high reputation. He also records that when James and the other elders approved of his ministry to the Gentiles, the one thing that James asked was that Paul remember the poor. Another nickname, another nickname scholars have recorded was Old Camel Knees. That's not the nicest compliment. Hegesippus, a second century Christian church historian, wrote that James was often found alone in the temple on his knees praying. And that he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that they became hard like those of a camel. Now, I'm not sure the last time you saw a camel, so I thought a photo would help us out. But I love this word description. 
this picture of James, that he would be known for his intimate pursuit of a relationship with God. And later, his life was put to the test when he was martyred for his faith. As we dive into our text today, I've invited a member of our student leadership team, Bethany Collins, to share the passage found in James. In James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, it states, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you. But then say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? but you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank you so much, Bethany. I've always loved the book of James, and I'm excited to dive into this portion of scripture. But let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we submit to this guidebook of life, God, and and ask that you would reveal your truth to us today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for your holy word and your truth and your precious name we pray, amen. All right, as we unpack the text, we see how James is rallying the scattered Christians in the early church. I feel like James is offering us a power punch. Remember who we are and what we're about. So he first addresses the problem the early church is facing, favoritism and partiality. When Tim was deciding about this series on James, he had said how timely and applicable it would be for us. We are a scattered church meeting online and in our homes. And James is writing to a very partial age, filled with prejudice, hatred based on class, ethnicity, nationality, and religious background. 
In the ancient world, people were routinely and permanently categorized because they were Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian, or whatever. And in 2020 and 2021 has been riddled so far with hatred, COVID opinions, racism, Democrat or Republican, poor or rich. We can relate. God's guidebook reminds us of how we are to speak and act. James 1, James 2, 1 through 4 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. The ESV says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Then James goes on to give an example of what's happening in people's homes and where they were gathering together. And this sinful behavior of partiality was creating disunity in the church, creating a culture of only the beautiful, the rich, the famous, and the connected are worthy to receive from the Lord. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, mm, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to who you belong? Now let's unpack this further. Some scholars also say this text was applicable to race as well as riches. The reason is because of the way the word favoritism or partiality is used elsewhere in the New Testament. I'll give you one example. Romans 2. Here, Paul is dealing with an ethnic and racial religious issue, namely Greeks and Jews. And he says that both are liable to judgment because of their sin. Then gives the reason in verse 11. For God shows no partiality, which is the same word as here in James chapter 2. John Piper tells us that James and Paul would be very happy for us to take this text that focuses on partiality because of riches and say that it also applies to partiality because of race. Good treatment and bad treatment, honor and dishonor, rejection and acceptance should not be based on riches or race. In a significant aspect of the work of Jesus, was to break down these walls that divided humanity and to bring forth one new race in mankind, in him. Philippians 3.20 says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. The unity and openness of the early church was shocking to the ancient world, but this unity didn't come automatically. As this command from James shows, the apostles had to teach the early church to never hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. You'll see another example of the disciples being reminded of this with the story of Cornelius in Acts 10. Peter was sent to the gospel to Cornelius, a Gentile and a foreigner. And Peter says in Acts chapter 10, 34, 
I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That same Greek word favoritism is the same used in James chapter two. God's people were instructed to speak and act differently than was culturally dictated or expected of them. So maybe today our personal reflection is, do we see this sin of favoritism in our lives? You know, some people are more worthy than others. People are less than, but we must not show favoritism. Instead, love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, the enemy, he wants to divide the church and we need to be intentional and diligent to preserve our unity. Let's unite and fight for one another and not against one another. So that leads me to our second point for today. James offers us a solution for what was taking place in the early church, this sin of favoritism and partiality. And there's two solutions. And the first one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Martin Luther King Jr. says, love is the most durable power in the world. And then of course, Jesus tells us how to speak and act from his very mouth in Matthew 22, 30, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. James 2, 8 through 11 challenges us. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, what Jesus has shared with us, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And James is reminding the church that we can't pick and choose what scripture we want to apply to our life. If we are submitting to the truth of God by reading and applying the guidebook he has given us, then we have to obey and live in such a way. Galatians 5, 13 says, for you were called to freedom brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In every one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have restated the command to love your neighbor as yourself. The practice and command carried such weight and importance for them to live out that kind of love that they repeated Jesus's teaching in all of the gospels and throughout the New Testament. You know, the church can get such a bad reputation in this post-Christian community. People are quick to be the judge of others, cancel culture, cancel people, labels, identities, those aren't from God. But let's fight for being known as a church that loves hard, that loves our community and neighbors well. Unity is strength. And how can you show love to someone else in this season? Another solution James offers us today is to be reminded that mercy triumphs over judgment. 
James says in 2, 12 through 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy can be defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If we don't show mercy, we have not known Christ. A Christian is a person who has seen and tasted and lives on the mercy of Christ. If there's no mercy in our lives, if we show partiality because of riches or race and come to no remorse and no repentance, we don't know him and we will die. But if we have tasted his mercy and treasure it and live in the liberty of his love, then we will show mercy and that mercy will be the evidence of our faith. Francis Chan in his Right Now Media study on James says, the good news is that we can be called sons and daughters of the living God. And if he's shown us that kind of mercy, then we should be out doing that for others. The last thing we should be doing is showing favoritism. Let me look for the people that I really like and show favors to them. James says, no, let me live a life that reflects the gospel, meeting people that I wouldn't normally associate with, people who have nothing to offer me. Let me just love them like crazy, like God did for me. All of us have sinned, all deserve judgment, but guess what? God offers you mercy, so receive it. His mercy triumphs over judgment. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you yourselves. It is the gift of God, God's gift to you. In conclusion, some truth for today, our next steps. Shelley Giglio said this, stay connected. Drift comes in isolation. Let your expression of love push you to join a group and serve. Who are you intentionally loving on in this season of COVID? You know, we have some incredible group options online from Bible studies to community outreach groups. Be a part of the racial reconciliation conversation that's happening starting soon. There are opportunities to serve and love kids and students on Tuesdays. There's midweek options, admin, building improvement team, opportunities with our connection to city team. Opportunities abound, even in COVID. You know, if you'd like to serve or join a group, email us at info at centralsj.org. Don't do life alone. You could be a blessing to someone else. Don't rob them of the opportunity to get to know you. And maybe God is placing someone in your path for you to love and serve. Our second challenge and next step is to be merciful. The God who knows our deepest thoughts, our struggles, who has lovingly extended his mercy to us and rescued us, live and love in such a way that we reflect our citizenship in the kingdom of God. He has given us mercy. Let's extend that mercy to others. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Lastly, live love. In a season, where we can create disunity with our words and our actions. 
I've, I've been heartbroken watching the church be so hateful on social media, mean and, and cruel and everyone has an opinion and everyone is right. And if you disagree, shame on you. You know, I, I'm so tired of people saying, I don't have a filter, I'm just gonna tell you how it is. But to speak and act this way isn't showing love. As Christians, we're called to a higher standard. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have to choose to deny our natural impulses to act and behave ignorantly. And it's a fight, a fight against the flesh. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. All of us need to be reminded of some basic behaviors. In the same way, I would remind my kids, I encourage you and myself to think before we speak, before we post on social media, before we send off that hateful judging email, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Ephesians 2.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. James continues in the next portion of scripture to encourage us. He reminds us that faith doesn't result in life change. If it doesn't result in life change, it's worthless. And Tim, he'll talk about more in the next week. For us, that means we need to live a life of love. Let's be known for our love and service for one another. And I'm so honored to be a part of a community that loves so fiercely. We rallied and raised money to help feed the poor and to meet several needs at City Team, to help the victims of the Beirut explosion, over $150,000 in a pandemic. I still get choked up about that. The church family here at Central have heroes of the faith that are dedicated to showing up to lead groups weekly. The volunteers that love on kids and students every Tuesday. As a church family, we pray over the needs of others every week. The drive-by parades to love on those that are shut in. And of course, the financial investment to make sure the gospel is being shared Thank you. Thank you for choosing to be more compassionate than critical and loving others well. That deserves a Super Bowl cheer and chant. Light it up in the comments. In 2005, 60 Minutes correspondent Steve Croft spoke with New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. Now you may recognize that name because this Sunday he's, he's going to be going against my Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So in this interview, Tom Brady shares about his success on and off the field and what he said about being satisfied in life surprised everyone. Here's what Brady said. You know, there's times where I'm not the person that I wanna be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I, I think, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it, I'm 27. And what else is there for me? The interviewer, Steve Croft, he goes on to say, well, what's, what's the answer? And Brady, he responds this way. I wish I knew, I wish I knew. 
As Christians, we know what life is about. We know the game that we are playing in has eternal value. And we are all going to go through our roles. And maybe we are are focusing on our spiritual disciplines and improving our abilities to block and tackle. Or we are cheering on a teammate or listening to a coach or a mentor. Or we're running the play that we have been called to and we keep working hard so we can execute the play well because we've been called to do it. And each and every one of us has been called to do something to be in the game because you know what? We win. Each of us can win and we need each other to do so. And we're going to stand individually before our king and be held accountable for what we've done here, why we've been in the game. And I don't know about you, but our desire, and I would hope that your desire would be the same, would be to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You played your game well. Live love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Help us, God, to run our game well. Help us to play hard, God. Help us to live and love God, in such a way that honors you, Jesus. We thank you for how you're at work today. Be with my friends and my family, God, that are watching today online and throughout the week, Lord. Let them know that they're a part of a community that loves them fiercely and that we are cheering them on, Lord. We love you and we worship you today, Lord, in your precious name we pray, amen.